So Aiden was on the phone just a moment ago. Oh, and I was texting. You were tech well. <laughs> and we have a camera crew with us today uh, that is going to immortalize our podcast. Yeah, and, and video and everything. They're, they've got the whole setup going on. They've got what I'm told is a shotgun mic, which yes, the concept yes, of that and still escapes indeed me. is a shotgun mic. <laughs> Um, it's, it's weird to look at it because the only mics I know are the ones with the fuzzy things on the top. And to think that it only took <laughs> us 22 episodes of our podcast, Inherently Human, to have the camera crew visit us, which is a sign, certainly, that we have arrived. Oh, yeah. No, this is the big times. Are you ready for this? Uh, I don't know. I guess it's a challenge uh, to our character. Ooh, is it? You know, yeah. Do we, we start state. partying? I I never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, I guess the possibility would be we fly to Mallorca um, every weekend and that kind of stuff. And we'll Naturally, see. with all the the swimsuit models and yeah. the I don't know what that's a, what the a, life. <laughs> it's the life that I've been aware I deserve and have not yet. <laughs> been able to sample but it's right around the corner it's coming up i'm in awe <laughs> just in time too My, <laughs> he, that, 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 i think that he was gently <laughs> or maybe not hinting so at gently. your own mortality yeah. Yeah, he was commenting on my age there. And uh, so I guess as we try to begin our podcast here, we need to get through essentially the paperwork. This is Inherently Human. It's episode 22. My name is Jim Newman. I'm Aiden DeBorn. Um, and, and the other crucial factor is our age difference. Hence the mortality joke. <laughs> yes. I'm 72 years old. Which is up there. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm 20, so I've got plenty of time to uh, really bank in on the success that we're about to That's right. strike here. Yes. It'll dog him the rest of his life. <laughs> Aren't you the guy that was on Inherently Human? Yeah, that was yeah. me. And, um, and Alien know. Archives and all That's the other, right. whatever other Disney, Marvel, MCU uh, things get bought. I don't, I don't know. There, I could become a Disney star. You could. I mean, I, you're in effect already there. They don't know it yet. Oh, okay. They're not clear on it. You and I are both very clear on it. Yeah, it, it's still making it through the uh, the marketing board. See and how they can do this. What I understand is, even though uh, you have this budding career in the podcast business, the reality <laughs> is that you are still doing your side hustle, which is lifeguarding. I like how we call my actual <laughs> job that I get paid for my side hustle. Yeah. This is this is my career right now. Right. Um, but no, yeah. So I recently just got back from a conference in Boston uh, for NURSA, which I have no idea what it, NURSA stands for. I, but it is an acronym of some sort. Yeah, or at least right. it used to be in some capacity. Yeah. Um, I was trying to explain to my mom what it was, and I, I couldn't figure it out. She texted me about three days later saying, I looked it up, and it doesn't even say what it stands for on the website. Really? <laughs> and so NURSA, as far as uh, 
anyone's aware is just a weird name that some organization decided to give themselves with no context whatsoever. But you flew to Washington, D.C. to be part of a NURSA conference. Boston, yeah. Oh, Boston. Yeah. Okay. I mean, close I had it, it's, it's, I it's there. East Coast. I completely had that in my head <laughs> for some reason. And you did say Boston before. But tell me, what transpired during that convention, if that's what it was? What transspired? Wow. Yeah, what happened? That's, that's a lot. Fill me in, man. <laughs> I mean, well, how did it better you? How did it make <clears> you, for example... Uh, a better lifeguard or a better prospective manager of aquatics at some school of some sort? So there were a lot of sessions specifically geared towards aquatics and yeah. pools and how people are using like their logs for log rolling or the events that they do or inclusivity, These all these kinds of things. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of roundtable discussion about that, a lot of safety, risk management things, things that I was hardly even aware of that people have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. At swimming pools? Yeah. Give me an example. I mean, are there some ways that even you were not aware that, uh, I don't know, a participant in a swimming program, someone coming to the pool to do laps is at risk and you didn't understand that particular (laughs) risk? Is that what you're saying? I guess it's more along the lines of inclusivity. Uh, that inclusivity. A lot of, yeah. So a lot of rec centers don't have like all gender bathrooms or universal changing rooms or places like that. They only have a men's room and a women's room. So I guess I'm a little behind the curve on this. An all gender bathroom yeah. has some unique features. That- nope. It's just labeled... As, okay. Uh, as something different that's not between one of the the two. And that has to do with inclusivity because it makes the participants in whatever <laughs> swimming program more comfortable. Is it, that right? Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so a lot of what schools are trying to figure out right now is how to uh, accommodate to people who you know, identify differently than what they were assigned at birth. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's becoming this really big issue, just especially since LGBTQ, it's a lot of letters to remember. Uh, they're <laughs> yeah. gaining a whole lot of... You, you did that well, though. Thank you. I appreciate it. They're gaining a whole lot of ground, and they're making great strides in you know, what they're doing. And yeah. so a lot of buildings and a lot of rec centers are responding to that in different ways in any way that they can. There was... One rec center, I don't remember where it was, but they got rid of uh, gendered locker rooms entirely. Whoa! Mm -hmm. So they redid the entire space, and so now there's like a common space, and then there's uh, lockers that line the walls of the common space, and then there's just three dozen different changing rooms that people can go into. In other words... uh... If you are a woman walking into this locker room environment, you can choose to be with other women. You can choose to be in a a mixed environment, or you can identify yourself as unique and separate from either of the commonly uh, accepted sex norms Mm -hmm. and be... In your own space. Exactly. That's wow. that's exactly what it is. So the, the common area in the middle 
is a mixed space for everyone. Yeah. Um, and so because these rooms are individualized, I mean, you can have as many people in there as you want. That's a whole nother issue that people got to deal with. Um, enough enough space to accommodate everybody yeah. that wants to change in the their same clothes area. at the same yeah. time. Yeah. And so, uh, but everything is completely inclusive, all inclusive, uh, non gender conforming, whatever. Yeah. Like you can identify as whatever you want, and you're absolutely welcome in this space. And now there's no difference between locker rooms, and people can just be in there without having the stigma of thinking oh, I feel one way, but I can't be in that space because I don't, whatever, I'm not comfortable in that space. Can you trace the genesis of this? And it is a new philosophy, it Mm -hmm. seems to me. How long has this new value been introduced and been in process as people try to become more accepting of everyone in society how long has the effort been underway and how many rec centers and how many schools or how many aquatic systems yeah offer this so that's that's a hard question that is right just because i think the movement in and of itself has always been going on Mm -hmm. just because people being part of this group identifying differently or being gay in any capacity isn't anything that is new um that's well <laughs> it uh, the closet was pretty packed for a long time <laughs> though it wasn't sad to say that it wasn't as accepting uh before but that doesn't excuse that there's definitely were people who identified in this way and suffered accordingly really yeah yeah and so it the, 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 the fight for it has been going on forever, but I think within the last two decades, uh, starting, I have no idea when. I mean, I'm only 20, so I can't really. <laughs> You'd yeah. probably know more than I would. Your roots don't go back to the 1950s, yeah. for example. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, as far as I've been at aquatic centers, there's always been family changing rooms or universal changing rooms that are open to any person who identifies in any way. Um, and so I've only ever known uh, inclusiveness. Good. In okay. These rec All right. I've never thought about it, so I guess <laughs> I didn't know either way. Yeah, but yeah. with Oregon being the way that Oregon is. Um, liberal, liberal, essentially, yeah. yes. And then especially with Portland, um, there's a lot of you know Bible Belt states that have had rec centers that have been built for the past, you know, 70 some odd years. They update the interior, but they never update anything else. That... No, in fact, they might have to be dragged kicking and screaming into this <laughs> new environment. I which guess. is exactly what's happening, which is kind of concerning. But at least there's progress being made. People are going to these conferences. They're having these conversations and people are getting ideas from everywhere. And then all the vendors who are there who are, uh showing all of these ideas on how to design <clears throat> how to design a rec center yeah. how to design a pool the locker rooms everything and so there's just a whole lot of information going back and forth all these vendors trying to do everything for you and uh we're making a lot of progress there are a lot of rec centers that have 
completely overhauled everything that they've done to uh, have this inclusiveness. Well, now you were sent by Portland State University to this conference. Technically, yeah. I, I applied for a scholarship, oh, and they, they okay. paid for me to go there. So you did not necessarily go as an executive representative of the school? Not not executive, but I mm. certainly was a representative. And were there other members of the staff at PSU there, mm-hmm. too? Marcos was there, my boss. Marcos was there, <laughs> and he is the manager of the aquatics program? Mm-hmm. So he's the, he's the coordinator for all aquatics at PSU Campus Rec. Right. And so he would have a lot of say, I suppose, in any change that's going to be mm-hmm. made. Can you predict if this NURSA conference in Boston had any immediate influence on how Portland State, for example, is going to be managed? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? I mean, uh, before we even came back home, we were still in mm-hmm. Boston by the time that we started making changes. Really? Yeah, it was we there's some things that you can do immediately and then there's some things that you got to do when you're back at the pool. Uh something that we changed immediately is for in services for the lifeguards, so all the trainings that we do since we've got to stay updated all the time. Um All right. So these are the staff members who actually are at poolside looking, uh, always watching the lap swimmers, always watching the people doing resistance training to make sure everybody's safe. Yep. Essentially, the lifeguards, they're called in-service in some way? Is that what you called them? Uh, the training that we do is called uh, the in-service. Oh, oh okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, So they, they're, still, they're still lifeguards. Yeah, <laughs> but they have to go through training. training, which has now been changed. What has changed? So the part that has changed is that if someone doesn't show up to the in-service, so if they don't show up to the training in any capacity, the makeup in-service that they are required to go to for their job is at 5.30 in the morning on a Friday. Oh. So (laughs) that's um, the carrot and stick approach. If if you fail to show up, then you got a 5.30... You got a yep. You got Crew a five a.m. wake up call coming at you, <clears throat> yeah. and it's it's going to be agony. Uh, but fortunately, we got some morning people who are willing to do it, or at least run it. So we'll see how long that takes to uh, crash and burn. But you know, we'll see. Um, but, but in terms of accommodating people uh, mm-hmm. in new ways, uh, are there going to be any immediate innovations at Portland State in that way? In accommodations? Well, I don't like, know. I likely mean, not. Okay. Um, just because we're kind of at the forefront of all of this mm-hmm. already. Um, oh, right. Yeah. So <laughs> you are uh, cited by other people, perhaps in NURSA, as really at the cutting edge of what can be done? A little bit, yeah. We aren't, we aren't the best by any means, but we're definitely significantly further into the process than a lot of other schools are. Mm-hmm. And so go Portland State for being inclusive and being an example. Um, but, I mean, the, it takes a lot to do this kind of thing. And we certainly aren't the rec center that got rid of men's and women's locker rooms entirely. 
no. and opted and for. You, well, practically speaking, you don't really see that happening, do you? At, at PSU? Oh, absolutely not. We don't have the space for it. Yeah, okay. It's In just, other words, that is a cost. Absolutely. And ah. so because the rec center at Portland State is in a building that Portland State doesn't even own. What? Yeah, no, they don't own the building. Really? Um, it's owned by a management group called Prem, I believe. Yes. Um, because in that building, there's the PSU classrooms. Right. There's the rec center, which is the, second, uh, third, and the, floor. The, the basketball courts, yeah. the, the weight room, mm-hmm. the swimming pool. Yep. Sure. <clears throat> and then fifth and sixth floor are Oregon archives. Oh. Or the Portland archives. Yes. And okay. so there's so many things in that building, but Portland State doesn't own any of it. Instead, mm. they rent the space, lease the space. I have no idea the logistics of it. Ultimately, mm. Prem owns the building. And so if there's anything in regards to uh, maintenance that needs to be done in the building that can't be fixed directly by us, we're, we have to go through Prem to fix their building. Right. And so you are locked into the physical space you have for the foreseeable future, maybe even your lifetime, actually, because that is a relatively new building. Yeah, it's only eight, nine years old right now. I think it's nine. Wow. Nine years old. The the 10th anniversary is coming up. We're already planning for it. The 10th anniversary of the rec center building. Yeah. You uh, spent how many days in Boston uh, at the conference? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, five days. Let me ask you, what was your main takeaway? What of value did you learn? Something that you really didn't know before but stuck with you from from the conference. Is there any such thing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, during my time there, I asked about a half dozen people about how to get a slack line over a pool. <laughs> All right, that just jumped the track. <laughs> you, I, I guess if, if you've been a religious listener to Inherently Human, you might know from episode five or something like that. Uh, yeah, pretty early in. That Aiden here is a slackliner, and that means that he uh, ties a rope between two trees <laughs> And it's not a tight rope. That is, the tension is not great. It literally is a slack rope. And then he walks between two points some distance off the ground. And he can do it well. I I saw a video of you doing that. Thank you. You generously showed me. So what does this have to do with swimming pools? And and what did they say about it at the conference? So one of my plans right now is for the PSU Rec Center is to put a slack line over the pool. Wow. Because that sounds lit. <laughs> and I want that. Lit. Lit. <laughs> L-I-T. Or two Ts, it all depends. It Is lit uh, <laughs> part of the, the new lexicon of young people new today? It. The neo-age. Do you know that I found out that ripped... Well, I guess it was you that told me, wasn't it? Yeah, when we were talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Ripped is not the latest word for being ultra fit with muscles on top of muscles. The word is yoked. And I've had occasion to use it. (laughs) You actually used yoke? (laughs) Yes, I did. Yes. But the new word for a great idea. 
is lit. Well, well, the, <laughs> or are you making it up? Just to I'm be not. Cool. I'm not making anything up. Okay. I'm I'm using the millennial talk, um, <laughs> but it's uh, you're a good translator for me. Though. I try. Yeah, <laughs> I am to please. Um, so lit is just a uh, a positive remark. So oh, okay. Uh, we've got a camera crew here, and that's that's pretty lit. That is lit. That's we so lit. have <laughs> let them sort of do their thing invisibly in the background now for something like 20 minutes. And I guess they're getting the footage that they want. I hope so. Oh, yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> Good. Okay. So, uh, Marcos, being the coordinator of all pool activity, where does he come down on your lit idea of a slack line that traverses lengthwise or the width of the swimming pool at Portland State? So with how the, the pool is set up, we've got uh, yeah. 25 yards long. Right. Uh, I don't know how wide it is. I want to say it's like 15. Um, Meters. Yeah. That, okay. Mm, excuse me. Hold up. Oh, we're good. All right. All right. We'll edit <laughs> I, I, that ju- out. I just we ate. won't edit that out. Anyway. <laughs> it's it's human. It's inherently human. It's you gotta inherently let me Inherently it. <laughs> human. We have to keep it in. Exactly. Anyways, so um there's pillars on each side of the pool connected to the walls, and it would be inefficient uh to try and to do not- it long ways because Oh, that's, all right. That's, so structurally there's yeah. no foundational support for a slack line that ran the length uh-huh. of the Portland State Pool. Unless okay. we drilled directly into the floor and mm. put a pretty big pole in there, there's no way. And the building management firm might not be wild about be that. Be too thrilled, yes. No. <laughs> and so, also, if you have 75 feet of slack line, that is rough to really walk on. Really a lot. That is... <laughs> okay. I have... So personally, I have three different slack lines, um, and two of that them you own. Mm-hmm. Wow! Okay. And two of them are a hundred feet long, and there's only been one time where I've used all hundred feet of that, and it was not efficient. Was that over the Grand Canyon or something? It was not. I wish. I mm. wish I could do that. I want to do that. That'd be pretty fun. Well, I saw you hopping around, jumping up and down <laughs> on your slack line, and even changing direction, right? Yeah. And then bouncing on your butt and then coming back up, or was that someone else? That, that was, was you? that was me. All right. <laughs> oh, and apparently, so I do this slack line thing a lot yeah, in, right. at PSU in the park blocks, and uh, in my classes, people have identified me. Oh, you're as a celebrity. Yeah. It's not just for inherently human. They no. hear your voice and they say, wait a minute. I've heard that before. <laughs> you, you're the guy. I'm, I'm the, human. I'm the jumping guy. <laughs> well, that, okay. I was talking about your celebrity on the show, but oh, yes, yes, I see what you're saying. So I've got anyway. a man of many talents. I am in awe, and they're in awe. So, in other words, you're not competing with a whole lot of slackliners in the park blocks. Mm-mm. It's you. It's me. Damn. I uh, So, I like to say that I had a little squad going of slackliners yeah. for a time. Right. Uh, these were people that I met while I was slacklining, and we did a couple times where we set up like three or four of them. Uh-huh. Uh, and we would just kind of squat up and slackline and 
All day. Admittedly, we'd smoke. And then we'd slacklight <laughs> some more, <laughs> and it's just so, really chill. So you can you can actually you yourself can slackline psychologically impaired if the word is impaired, um, inebriated. On, yes, on some <laughs> sort of I don't know uh, is marijuana uh, and hallucinogen. I guess not. I, I don't. Think. I don't think it is. No, <laughs> but it didn't impair your balance. Nope, not really. Uh, so with the slack line, because I've been doing it for as long as I have, yeah, um, everything is muscle memory. So I, okay. I'm almost unconsciously balancing on oh, the line. Oh man, I think I would love that. I mean, I probably don't see that in my future, but wow, that would be really cool. Man. I could try and teach you. Um, I'll give you a lead rope and everything so you can hold on to something. I wonder if that means you'd be a good surfer, too. Because you understand something about your body and the mechanics of balance, right? So there's... It's interesting that you mentioned that because I've definitely... I've tried snowboarding. I haven't tried surfing. I've tried skateboarding. All those kinds of things that require a lot of balance. Yeah. But when... The difference between the balance on a board and the balance on a line. So with the board, you have to focus your weight with both your feet on this moving object, right? And yeah, depending on how you shift your weight will determine where you go, how fast you go, and you know what you do. Right, and your <laughs> eyes don't have a fixed reference point if you're on a skateboard or on a snowboard, mm-hmm. right? I right. mean, I would think that might be a problem. Uh, on a, a slack line, and I could easily be wrong about this, you might pick a point on a tree branch or something and yeah. use it as a reference point in some way. I, I tell people to actually look at the line ahead oh, of you. Oh, look at the line mm-hmm. ahead of you. you okay, to... when you instruct mm-hmm. new <laughs> neophytes. I've got a I've got several prodigies. Yeah, you do. I huh? do Good actually. For you, you're a mentor. <laughs> I like it. There's a there's a guy on the Portland State football team yeah. who I taught and he went out and bought his own line and He's actually doing really well, and I feel so proud of him because I... (laughs) (laughs) You raised him from a pup. (laughs) Exactly. You made him what he is today. That's good. Yeah, it was fun. So let's get back to the swimming pool. Oh, yeah, we're doing this at the pool. Yeah, you're introducing or suggesting that the pool introduce a slack line, 45-meter slack line across the rec center pool, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so... Is it a welcome suggestion by no, the people? No, it's not. Oh, that's too bad, <laughs> that's man, because it strikes me as being really innovative, you know? Yeah, and so there's tons of pools out there who have done it already. So this isn't an original idea. Yeah. It's it's something that's been around for a while. It's just new to Portland State. Um, and... And some pools actually have adopted this. Absolutely. Right. There's, oh, what school were they from? Some Midwest school, they have a really big, I think it was Utah maybe. Really? Yeah, it could have been. I'm probably wrong. Okay. Um, but they have a big slackline program, and those people. I can imagine that in Utah with all yeah. the canyons, you know. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah, the Rocky Mountains there. Oh, it's beautiful. But anyway, go I ahead. need to take a trip to Utah. You do. <laughs> yeah, you need to take lots of trips. Anyway, yeah, God. Um. Anyways, so, 
uh, I was talking to several people in Utah, um, and they've got a program with the Slackline Club that they have, additionally with their outdoor program, mm-hmm. and they all come together and they have a specific wall setup thing for their Slackline specifically. Right, but um, it has no, that has nothing to do with the pool, correct? Well, they're doing it in the pool. Oh. Yeah. Oh. That, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so right. they're doing it in their pool. Yes. And they just have these groups come together and set it up for them, and then the lifeguards just guard it. Mm-hmm. Um, with PSU, what I want to do is that I want to be using a different kind of slack line. So what they were using is a tubing slack line, which is more common with outdoor people um, because you can use those tubes for climbing. You can use them for hammocks. They're just multi-purpose uh, rope. Right. And I personally don't like it because it's m- a lot thinner. You can't do the tricks that you want to do on them. Um, and you can't get it as tight. And so there's a whole lot of slack in it. Yes. Um, but that that seems like getting into the weeds a little bit about the actual style or the makeup of the line itself, is that the reason you're running into some opposition? I'm inferring that you are running into opposition from Portland State. Do they care about the type of slack line? Or are they uh, reluctant to introduce the discipline or the sport of slacklining itself into the pool environment at Portland State? So... Let's see. Let's try to sum this up a little bit. Um, Marcos doesn't or is less than thrilled about the idea because he's far more concerned with safety. Um, uh, so falling. Yeah, which is something that we rectified at the conference. I figured out a way to make it safe. Um, <laughs> we can <laughs> get into that. Okay. Uh, but... The opposition that I'm facing is safety and how to set it up. So the slack line that I want to use is one that uses a winch. Um, And so it wraps around something like a tree, for example. So you can tighten it. Exactly. And then it's on both sides. So you tighten it on both sides as if there's a tree uh, on one end and a tree on the other end. Right. So I'm trying to figure out how I can get two wrappable points uh, on each side of the pool. And the issue with that is that the pillars that are there are connected to the wall. So I can't wrap around it, which leaves us with this issue that, uh, we have no connecting points for the slack line, which is why at the conference, I was asking everybody how they set it up. So maybe I could get an idea on how to do it. And did anybody have a great idea that kind of made it a non-issue because sure you could buy the model x24z slack line connector kit yeah and you're fine was there <laughs> such a thing no. there is unfortunately not such a thing oh, which is okay. tragic yeah, yeah um so i kind of got some solutions it's going to be a lot of talking to pool designers and like architects. Uh, and that sounds that starts sounds like money there, man. Yeah. I don't know. And I just want to put a rope over a pool and I don't know why You're a simple I, man. There's simple so desires. <laughs> I just want one thing. Yeah. Just let me jump on a rope over water. It's not <laughs> What a you have a dream. Everybody has to have one. Yeah. 
you know <laughs> what's what's your dream what's your dream here um I, well we can talk about that I, but that's way off topic because <laughs> i would do we, start do we have a topic right you, now uh, well i think we still haven't fully unpacked your trip to Boston here. I think that's the theme of this entire show, but if it were about me, I'd be talking about fiction writing right now. Oh, yeah. How's because, your book coming? Well, I mean, it's been a struggle. It really uh, has, and I think this particular book, which is about the war in Vietnam uh-huh. and uh, a very conflicted young soldier being sent into that environment completely unprepared for it. Mm -hmm. Um, As I say, it's gone through lots of iterations, and only now, after all the work I've already done, and multiple times I thought I'd completed it, but at no point had I written with the clarity that really has to be there. And I cannot answer for myself, much less for you, the question of how it is that has taken me so long to get to simple words telling what's really going on scene to scene and including in that the emotional response of my main character. Right. Uh... I used euphemisms. I I, I got clever. I did all kinds of things in different iterations of the plot. (laughs) But I didn't have, for whatever reason, I didn't have the capacity to simply, with clarity, um, directly represent the feelings of this guy in plain English. Till now. Till now. Yeah, okay. that's okay. what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, all of this time has gone by. And I, I mean, I, you got to understand, I am not frustrated by this. Okay. It feels to me like a, a tremendous awakening. Right. But I just wonder, <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> I, I'll tell you, though, that, uh, you know, you talking about using marijuana on the uh, slack line. Yes. I think one of the reasons now that I have the insights that I do mm-hmm. is because after the last draft was complete yeah. and it still seemed to me that it was wanting in some ways, I decided to see what it would be like if I read what I had written under the influence of marijuana. And mm-hmm. so I did that. And well, it's been a revelation. Because as strange as it may seem, and even though the marijuana sometimes, uh, I don't know, triggers my brain to vastly overwrite a scene. I mean, I can be overdramatic. I use the wrong words. Nevertheless, it gives me insights into my own thought processes that I really didn't have before. Yeah. And so now, whether I'm under the influence of marijuana, whether I'm simply straight and reading what I wrote, uh, there's a lot, oddly enough, a lot more clarity there. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I, that is so fantastic to hear. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It really is amazing. <laughs> so I think it's interesting how 
you know, whenever you're under the influence, you're overwriting everything. When you read it, I we were talking about this a little bit earlier before we even started recording uh, about our our new up and coming show, Alien Archives, um, where Jim edited the the audio that we had and only used what you said forty percent of what we actually said. What we are doing is toying with the idea of presenting a pre-produced show to radio stations in which we do not honor the format of whatever station is broadcasting this show that Aiden and I do. Instead, what Aiden and I do is go on streaming services, listen to the kind of music that's there, and curate. Stuff. I mean, yeah. we take the songs that we really like and we present them on this show. And so we've done a demo of this. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think it sounds pretty good. I might be biased. Well, <laughs> what I was telling Aiden is that uh, out of all of the material that we, that we recorded, I probably only... Uh, actually, I probably used less than 40% of everything we said mm-hmm. um, in putting it together. Uh, but it does. It does I think sound it good. sounds good. It sounds real good. We'll, yeah. we'll post it on the Facebook. Yes. and Yeah, that's a good idea. Ooh, look at that. All I right, like cool. That. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the other thing I got to say, and, yeah. and when I was editing, what I was looking for was that summarizing really cogent thought yeah that you had or i had something that really kind of nailed it about the song that we mm-hmm. were listening to and the other thing was energy energy yes yeah and you and i both i think it possibly has to do with our speech patterns we put a lot of energy sometimes <laughs> into the way we talk and it works <laughs> You know what? I, I can agree with that. I, I get really excited when I do this. Yeah, and, and I the think word that... is excitement. The word <laughs> is excitement. <laughs> We're putting exciting energy out into the world. Yeah. So, yes. But to kind of come back, uh, so you used maybe less than 40% of the recorded audio. Yep. So when you overwrite, how much are you getting rid of when you read back? Oh, sometimes... You know, it depends on specific circumstance. Yeah. What I am looking for is a certain kind, and I'm going to use the word perfect clarity. Okay, yeah. Even though, I mean, that's a hypothetical. Perfect clarity? Really? It's a stretch, but... Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to be clear about what my main character, Pat, is thinking. I'm also trying to be accurate about what he can see. Mm-hmm. As he's walking around the Vietnamese camp he's in. Right. And just that. I only want the reader to get an accurate picture. And what I think has been tripping me up a lot is I also want them to feel some emotion. I want them to respond emotionally to what they're seeing. The so reader? How, or yeah, the, yeah, the reader. Okay, the reader. So okay. how do you... How do you square that circle? I mean, how do you get it all if you want simply to be clear? Yeah. And uh, say the camp looked like this, uh, the the sun was shining, uh, he was feeling sad or whatever. Mm -hmm. How do you 
then get the audience to go beyond that simple scene and actually feel feel what the guy is feeling because he is absolutely absolutely paranoid okay about yeah. going to the field and getting shot he's terrified he just mm-hmm. come into country he and a friend are at this so-called reception center where you get final training before you yeah. go out into the field and he does not under any circumstances want to go to the field mm-hmm. well you know you can overwrite that until the cows come home you can right. completely oh, yeah. go over the top but in this iteration i really think that i'm much much closer to finding the appropriate chemistry the perfect clarity yeah yeah yeah, yeah. of so all of that how do you think you came to that conclusion how did you how did you figure out that language how did you get to that emotion mm. you know i mean i'm just in process now yeah. And I, you know, the ugly little truth here is, even though I've changed the whole book. Yeah. Or actually I haven't because I'm only, it's about a 300 page book and I, this rewrite is on page 113 or whatever it is. About halfway, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I don't actually, when I read it back high <laughs> or not high. Yeah. It sounds authoritative and clear and i get the emotion now i do okay yeah but i haven't had a reader look at it i haven't had another set of eyes look at it yet i do have uh, a a good friend who's read it before and she would gently say you know you want to give more description of what the characters look like and who they are and stuff like that and um i hadn't really done that and now I realize that it's essential mm-hmm. that everyone who has a speaking role, or even if they don't have a speaking role on the page of my book, I have to say lots of stuff about them. And I've got it in my memory. Yeah. But I think in some way, curiously enough, the marijuana uh, unlocked those stored memories in some way. Ooh. Yeah, the, maybe. The creative side of the brain was unlocked. Kind by, of. I like that. Yeah. That's that's good, compelling argument. <laughs> well, uh, that's where I am, but to answer your question about the secrets of my success, I oh, don't yeah. know that I've had success can, yet. Can we say this on, on air? Can we, can we tell the secrets? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's any number of budding writers out there saying, oh, my God, that's fantastic. I'm going to try that. No, I, uh, I I don't pretend to be on top of it yet, but I really think that it's progress. All right. I mean, yeah. I'm, as I say, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to read it eventually. Thanks, man. Um, if any of y'all haven't already, A Habit of Mind is Jim's older book. Yeah, um, you've said really nice things about that. And I love that book. I, I love that you love that book. <laughs> it had enough. Uh, it had enough humor in it and likable characters that had really good rapport. And some of the scenes in there are just so wacky, wild, <laughs> but still fall within the bounds of realism. That ah, I don't know. It it's a really good read. It was it was a good summer read 
which is when I got it. God bless you. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to hire you to go on tour. Uh, but, you know, writing is a little bit like a time machine. Cause, yeah. Because I can relive my past. Right. And I love that. You know, I mean, 72, almost 73 now. Uh, that's a great way to be 22 again. Man, that's even older than you. Yeah, no, that's... Much older 22, than I am. Huh? Yeah, much older. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even this next birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. That's crazy. Oh, right. Lord. Well, we're about hitting the 45-minute mark. Yeah, I don't so know. I think... did, we, did we actually summarize your, your visit, I guess? Yeah, sure. Know. Enough. Okay, sure. <laughs> okay. We got 45 minutes worth of content. I'm pretty sure that's enough. satisfactory. Yeah, so uh, Aiden is back. Aiden DeBoard is yes. back from Boston, Massachusetts, back where he to went Portland. to uh, a detailed conference about management of pool facilities and aquatics, and it sounds like you got a lot out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's uh, it was really nice. I can't wait to go back next year. Man, that's good. <laughs> and I got to shoehorn in a discussion of uh, this book, which is called Word from the Front. Word. Ask for it by name at your local book dealer. Book dealer. Or at Amazon. Ooh, look Why at not? that. Coming well, up. Someday, someday. Coming up hot. Coming up hot. And produced by Disney, who also uh, will own our show eventually. Well, and we can make, we can cut a deal. <laughs> We're willing to talk. Disney, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Which they certainly are by this point. Mr. Walt, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> the, late, the late Walt Disney just called you. <laughs> He'd like to talk it to you. It sounded compelling this. on the phone. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, this has been Inherently Human, episode 22. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm Aiden DeBoard. Jim Newman. And we hope you have just the best day. The very best day. <laughs> the and thank you so day. much for being here. <laughs> Woo.